Welcome to Canada Homeschools, the dose of inspiration and encouragement for Canadian homeschoolers. Canada Homeschools features interviews with homeschool group organizers, resource suppliers, and conversations with everyday homeschoolers just like you, all from a Canadian perspective. I'm your host, Rowan Atkinson. I'd like to thank you for joining me. Now let's get started. <laughs> In 400 meters. In 100 meters. You have reached your destination. Well, hello there, and thank you for tuning in to the Canada Homeschools podcast today. Today's topic is organizing your homeschool. And I want to start actually by talking a little bit about your philosophy of education and how that applies to organizing your homeschool. And we'll be talking about a number of things. And then at the end, I'm going to be breaking down five tips for you. So keep listening. And as I start with the, your philosophy of homeschooling, informing your homeschool, I can't help but think about and mention how our season is going so far. We started with a nice introductory episode and some essential oil recipes for fall and some indigenous stories from headphone history. Uh, but before between those two things, we got into the importance of the humanities in a STEM world. So that's kind of how my brain works is that I am really excited about essential oil recipes and interior design and home decor. And then I'm also super excited about education and philosophy and worldviews. So my brain is a multi-splendored, a many-splendored thing. And I thank you for listening. You're always going to get something of interest one way or another. But today I'm talking about organizing your homeschool. So as I said, your philosophy of homeschooling will inform how you choose to organize your homeschool space. You may want to call your educational space a schoolroom, and many homeschoolers do that, and I have done that. Or you may be adverse to that nomenclature and you may prefer to call it a library because you are not doing school at home in your philosophy. So there are many ways to look at it, many ways to do it. Perhaps you have no dedicated room at all because your house is small or because you perceive that life is your classroom and your education. So we started with a schoolroom and then ended up at the kitchen table in our homeschool. No matter what your philosophy, providing a good education for your children does require lots of good books and materials, art supplies and puzzles, and these things take up space and can get messy and make your house seem disorganized. We all have different homes, families, and tolerance levels for the mess of learning. In the end, you need to find a system that works for you. Aren't you glad you're listening today? <laughs> but don't worry, I'll continue. How can the kids access what they need without spreading everything all over the house? 
The educational concept of strewing opportunities for learning throughout the house is a very good one. I love it. But strewing can look more like spewing from a confetti cannon if there are no systems or cleanup routines in place. I rarely see this mentioned, but your spouse can also be a factor in your homeschool organization as well in terms of their tolerance level for the detritus of learning. It's far more important for my friend's husband and for mine that things be in order and tidy than it is for my friend and me. Not in my husband's garage, incidentally, but in the main areas of the house. So this is something you have to work on together. We worked it out that books and papers could be everywhere during weekdays and then tidied up and put away for the weekend. You do you. So what's your organizational style? Cass at the Clutterbug has a quiz you can take to find your style. She breaks it down into visual and hidden organizing and then micro or macro organizing. And I do have a link to her quiz and her website on the show notes on the web page for this episode. So according to Clutterbug, I'm a ladybug. I am a hidden organizer. I like to have things in cubbies, drawers, and behind closed drawers. I am a meta, not a micro organizer. I don't really care if a drawer is messy inside as long as things look tidy on the outside. My husband is also a macro organizer, but he is visual and needs to see things in front of him. This means things are spread out on his desk and his closet and not put away or he can't find them. It's been very helpful for our relationship for me to understand his need for visible visual organizing, which doesn't look like organizing to me at all. Many people who have ADHD brains, for example, need to have their things visible as well, or they will forget that they are there. It's good to know that when creating your organizational structures. We were blessed with a good sized house when we were educating our kids at home. So we were able to fit a used dresser that I got for $15 secondhand in our kitchen dining area. We did formal schooling at the kitchen table because with four kids, it worked for me to sit at one end and work with two on either side, then move to the other end to work with the other two on either side. They each had a drawer in the dresser for their texts and workbooks, and then we had two extra drawers. One was for paper, and the other was for crayons, stickers, hole punches, staples, scissors, etc. That worked very well for us. I added another cabinet later for our off-year curriculum, puzzles, board games, microscope, and other learning materials. The bins for toddler activities were kept in there as well. We had bookshelves in our living room and every bedroom, as well as a piano and piano books, tambourines, recorders, etc. in the living room. When the older two kids got even older, we added a double desk in our family room with computers for their Rosetta Stone language courses and switched on schoolhouse courses. We didn't use it for every subject, but it was helpful for some when I was a working homeschool mom especially. We also kept educational DVDs in the family room since that's where the TV was located. Technology is so much more portable now. So, the five tips I have for you are not necessarily the organize it like this kind of tips that you might expect. I'm not going to send you to the container store and say buy this, 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 and this and your homeschool will be tidy and organized. We are all different. So here are my five tips. 
Are you homeschooling high school? Canadian resources are often hard to find. The people that brought you headphone history have created a Canadian geography companion workbook to the Encounter Canada textbook. This amazing workbook takes the text and turns it into a complete geography credit with lesson plans, worksheets, and over a hundred instructional videos, allowing your students to work independently while getting the instruction they need. You can find it at headphonehistory.com homeschool on the podcast website or on Amazon. And now back to our podcast. First of all, figure out, and it may be by trial and error, what you yourself need to function and what your tolerance level is or should be. You may need to deal with perfectionism and Pinterest expectations. When someone posts something on Pinterest, they have tidied up and staged the photo before taking it and posting it. Show up unannounced and you might see a different perspective of their organized home. You may have an expectation that your house should look like the house of someone who doesn't homeschool or who has a smaller family. You may need to get your head around it as I did and explain to my husband that an educating home is different. My words may have sounded something like, you can either have a homeschooling wife or a tidy home, but not both at the same time. But I'm not always the poster child for lovely communication, although I am getting better. It's not that my house was never tidy, but that there would be more books and papers and science experiments around than the average house, and that some projects were ongoing and couldn't be put away just yet. As I've mentioned, we found it helpful to put things away on Friday afternoons for the weekend. So just decide what level you need and can handle and maintain that, and then be okay with it and don't have a guilt list about it. So that's the first tip. My second tip is to make your system easy for the kids to follow. If the system is too precise and too complicated, perhaps you are a micro-organizer with labels on everything and a certain spot inside each drawer for everything. If it's too complicated and it takes too much time, it may look good on the very first day that you set it up, but no one's going to actually follow it. Let's be realistic. Kids are more likely to change a toilet paper roll with a slide-on holder than one that you have to take apart and put back together. It's just an example, but it illustrates the point. So to recap, tip number two is to make your organizing system very easy to follow and not too complicated. The third tip is to make sure you are including the kids in the cleaning and chores, and your spouse too for that matter, and that you're not being a slave to the house. If you don't, your schooling will actually suffer because you'll have so much to do right in front of your eyes that it'll be hard for you to focus on educating. Your brain will say, I'll just, I'll read with the kids when these dishes are done and this is done and that is done and my room is clutter free, then I will sit down and read with the kids. But there's always something that comes up. It's amazing as the kids get older, if everyone is pitching in at once and tackling the household chores, how quickly it can get done. We found Friday afternoons to be a great time for our household management. My fourth tip for you is not to overload your schedule. So it involves decluttering of your schedule as opposed to your house. If you are always on the run, 
You're only home long enough to dump stuff off and grab other stuff and soon it builds up and you're spending your entire weekend trying to deal with it. The peace and calm that you crave for your home organization cannot realistically be created if you don't have time and if you're not there to enjoy it and you're only there long enough to contribute to the mess. Trust me, I've been there. Finally, number five, try to minimize other possessions. Now, I am not a minimalist by any means, but the more stuff you have, the more mess and things you have to take care of. Don't be a minimalist on educational things, but try to have less knickknacks and what I would call clutter toys. Toys like Lego and Playmobil will give years of enjoyment, but dollar store toys or trendy movie-based toys, for example, will either break quickly or be displaced by the next movie sensation. This is a good thing to communicate to your kids and also to their grandparent. One timeless toy makes a much better gift than a whole bag full of clutter toys. Needless excess furniture, knickknacks, and the like will make you feel crowded and will actually stimulate stress in your brain. Who says a timeline of world history isn't an attractive form of home decor anyway? Please do have a few items that bring you joy and reflect your personality. Have lovely art on the walls, but clear away the excess. Cleaning is much easier the more simplified your home is. What are your favorite organizing tips? Let us know in the comment section on our website. Tune in next week when I'll share an interview with a homeschooling dad and his journey to unschooling. Happy homeschooling, Canada! Thank you so much for listening. You can find helpful links and show notes for this episode at our website, canadahomeschools.com. Please share this podcast with your friends and leave a rating and positive review on your podcast provider. This will help others find their dose of inspiration and encouragement. Happy homeschooling, Canada! Hee <laughs> hee!